0: Uh, We have been in a season of mercy for about seven weeks. And uh, uh, I I don't know, do you ever binge watch your favorite show on Netflix or something like that? Anybody like binge binge watch 400 episodes of The Office or something like that? Yeah, God bless you. So uh, if you want to binge watch this season of mercy series, they're all on our website. Please just uh, go on there. You can listen to all of them. But I want to give you a quick recap. This whole season of mercy uh, was born out of just this, this, this frantic pace, this, this, this pace of, of being overwhelmed and, and super busy. And so we wanted to, like, let's pay attention to the mercies of God for a season. We began in Jeremiah, uh, maybe an unlikely place. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. Um, there are amazing books of the Bible for you to read. Jeremiah is on that list somewhere. <laughs> Jeremiah crying out for the city uh, that he's trying to serve. He's he's even thrown into a pit at some point. And what you see in this moment of like incredible despair, Jeremiah has this moment of clarity. Like I don't know if this has ever happened to you. uh, But in the moment of of deepest darkness, he has this this moment where he lifts his face up. Here's what he says in Jeremiah chapter 3. In the midst of pain and suffering, Jeremiah says the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And what we see in that is even in the midst of difficulty and struggle and toil and turmoil, Jeremiah has this realization that the mercies of God are real and new every day. And we challenge you to think about how is God showing you? How is he revealing his mercies to you? And we we challenge you to begin to open your eyes each week to seek out and search out those mercies. In week two of our mercy series, we talked about reptiles. I don't know if any of you remember this. We looked at St. Teresa of Avila. She was this mystic, awesome, amazing uh, prayer warrior. And she talked about the interior castle of prayer and how we can go into ourselves and discover the presence of God in us. And and there was this great mercy that God's presence actually exists in us. And she wrote this book called Interior Castle that leads us into that presence. But she said, sometimes when you open the door to the castle, these reptiles creep in around you. These reptiles are everywhere. Everything that preoccupies our time and our energy and our resources. And she challenged us to enter into the presence of God, to draw near to him and to realize that God's desire is that, that he's not somehow busy or preoccupied with something else. Like God's desire is to be near you. And he gives us the gift, the mercy of himself. In week three, we looked at three stories Familiar kid stuff stories of Zacchaeus and the woman caught in the act of adultery and the immoral woman. And what we find is when people enter into the full presence of Jesus, they all find the same thing. Acceptance. When you come face to face, what you see is not condemnation, but acceptance. And all the reasons you've given God not to love you, none of them have changed his mind. In week four, we turned things over to a, a, a really sketchy preacher named Rob Bell. And we watched a video about breathing. In the face of your fast-paced, frantic lives, we realized that God invites us to lay our heads on his chest to match our breath to his, to realize every breath is a mercy of God. We looked at the Holy Spirit in week six The paracletos, you remember who I I said, the paraclete is like Judge Judy. You know, this lawyer, legal advocate who stands with us, sent by God to stand by our side and speak the truth of God into our life. The mercy is that God gives us someone to speak truth into our lives, to stand with us. And we prayed for parents and grandparents to assume that same role. And then last week, we talked about being sons and daughters of the commandment. We realized that, that God has given us his word to build our lives on. Like we have a rock, we have a solid foundation to build on. And so finally, it's just a, today as we wrap up this mercy series, there's one mercy story from the New Testament I, I just couldn't leave out. Let's walk through it together just verse by verse. It's in Matthew chapter 18. Beginning in verse 23, here's what it says. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Jesus is about to say, let me explain to you how this kingdom works. Let me explain to you how this whole thing works. Accounts must be settled. How many of you believe that God is a just God? If God is just, then then there has to be, uh, accounts have to be settled. Do you see that? And that's what Jesus says, hey, the kingdom of heaven is going to be just like this. God's going to come and he's going to want to settle up. Go ahead to that next verse. In verse 24, he says this. He says, in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, i got to pause here for a second. Um, the New Living Translation translates millions of dollars, and, and that's pretty accurate. But, but the, the, the technical, uh, the actual Greek is 10,000 talents. The king is settling accounts, and a servant is brought in who owes the king 10,000 talents. Now, maybe that doesn't mean much to you, but I want to explain it to you. Like, in this time, in the ancient Near East, a talent was the highest unit of currency they had, okay? Okay. It was the highest bill they had. And 10,000 was the highest number they had. They didn't have a million or a billion or trillion. They didn't have that. They had 10,000. That was it. That was the top. If you actually pulled out 10,000 talents of silver, here's how much it would weigh. It would weigh 375 tons. It's not just millions of dollars. This servant owes the king hundreds of millions of dollars. 375 tons of silver is 10,000 talents. Like if you hired an army to carry 375 tons of silver and every soldier carried 60 pounds, it would take 12,500 soldiers. If they stood two feet apart, the the line they would make would be more than five miles long. Like, the whole budget for, for Herod's annual budget for his part of the kingdom was 900 talents. It's more than the revenue of the entire country. Now, preachers like myself have a special way of counting. I don't know if you know this. It's called the preacher count. And so like today I'm thinking there's like at least 500 people here. <laughs> but Jesus is taking this story to a whole new level, right? The amount that the servant owes the king is a staggering exaggerated amount. Impossible to pay. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. In verse 25 and 26 he says, he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. Like, okay, so there's any surprise he can't pay this. You know, even the fact that, that his, uh, so normal custom would, if you couldn't pay your debt, sure, you would be sold into slavery. But your family would still be free to work and to live and, and your family could help pay off the debt. But the fact that his wife and children and everything they own are are being sold into slavery too, like it just shows the staggering amount of the debt. And he goes on in verse 26 and he says, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. At this point, like you're you're supposed to like wonder inside How can he find himself in this much debt? Right? Staggering, impossible amount of debt. 375 tons of silver debt. Let's be honest, Dave Ramsey would not be happy. His situation is hopeless, helpless. And yet, what's he say? Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. It's just a ridiculous idea. It's impossible to even be in this much debt, much less pay it off. And let's see how the master responds. Then his master was filled with pity as the language. It's it's gut language, it's internal language. It's that that roll that you ever have the rumbly and the tumbly. Like it's that kind of like it's that kind of language. The master. Feels something inside for him and released him and forgave his debt. The master has this moment of pity, this moment of of incredible compassion. And all of this, like the servant feels the weight of 375 tons on his back, and yet the master just wipes it off. Suddenly, this weight has been lifted. And like so many stories of Jesus, I wish it ended right here. How many of you wish it ended here? This is a good story. Just let it be done. Right? But it doesn't end here. Let's look at the next verse, verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant now the servant is going to another servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And it says he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Like, I don't know if you, when you read this, you're like, oh, here's this guy's chance, right? This servant has got a fresh start. Like, like he owed a million times more than the servant he's accosting right now. Do you see that? Like, and this is the perfect opportunity for the first servant to become the teacher, right? Like, he just learned this incredible lesson. Now it's such a great opportunity for him to pass that lesson along. And instead, he goes MMA on the guy. He puts him in a headlock and chokes him out. All of the pain and pressure he himself was just released from, he applies to this new guy. Look what it says in verse 29 and 30. His fellow servant breaks out of the headlock. He falls down on the ground before him and begged for a little more time. And he says, be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded. Like, do you see that he uses the exact same words? The exact same words the first servant used with the king. Be patient with me, I will pay it. And his debt is actually doable. Like, this is a payable debt. He get his envelopes. He can do it. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Understandably, let's look at verse 31. Word gets out. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very, what's the word? pissed off. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, mom, if you listen to this. And I went to the king and told him everything that happened. Like, do you see this This whole scene vibrates with intensity. I love this. You feel it? Of course they're upset. Don't you? Ah. And now the king has found out. Look what it says in verse 32 and 34. It said, then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you 375 tons of debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. I'm not really a, a fan of of karma. In fact I think it's a pretty ungodly idea. But do you ever have this sense of like there's a cause and effect about things sometimes? Do you ever have that sense? Like like um like uh, the, the kind of pay it forward idea. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody does a kindness to you, like, hey, somehow that's going to carry on and, and go out into the future. If this, then this is going to happen. And you see this whole idea like underneath the scenes of this story right here. There are a lot of big assumptions. The king assumes, and the crowd assumes, and and the readers, we assume too that there is an appropriate response to the mercy the servant has been given, right? We assume, considering the fact he's received this incredible amount of mercy, that there's going to be a way that he can respond appropriately, and this is not it, right? Right? Like, what gets everybody's attention is that we expect him to respond in one way, and he doesn't. In fact, he goes the opposite direction. You see, the king's gift was expected to create something new and different and good in the servant. Instead, the gift is soured and spoiled. You know the verse uh, Jesus begins his great teaching on the mount in Matthew chapter 5 or 17 he said "Blessed are the merciful for they will receive what?" But there's a there's kind of like that's that's a beautiful amazing verse but there's kind of a flip side to that verse. Look what it says in James chapter 2 verse 13 It says there will be no mercy for those who have shown who who have not shown mercy to others, but if you're merciful, God will be merciful. Do you see that interchange man if you're if you're merciful, you can expect mercy in return but but there'll be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others and maybe some people look at this scripture and you know, uh, I never know. maybe you think that that servant, God, what do you deserve? You know what I'm saying? Like a jerk. He's, he deserved it, right? Maybe I wonder if some Christians or, or, or some people who have questions about faith look at Scripture and go, "Man, that doesn't seem like a very merciful God. Why is God punishing him? What I would say is like the, the servant sets his own punishment. What do you think? He gets what, <laughs> how he, what, he, what he was going to give to the other guy. It's the way he treated others. He receives only what he was willing to give. And again, another moment where it's like, thanks, Jesus. Great teaching. That's enough. Let's stop right there, Right? You ever just have the, like, let's, okay, good. Like, I know you're probably thinking, Adam, great teaching. Stop right there. Stop right there. But Jesus doesn't. There's one more verse. Look what it says. Verse 35. Jesus speaking to a crowd, telling them this whole story. And he says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus in a startling moment. Like we were just telling a story, right? Jesus in a startling moment turns from telling a story and looks us right in the eye. Do you feel that? Suddenly you realize this this isn't just a story or a fable or a fiction with unknown ca- uh, an unknown cast of characters. Oh no. This is our story. We're right in the center of it. Let me tell it again. I don't know what you think about the future or what it's going to hold, but I can tell you this. The king is coming to collect. And the wages of sin... Is death. The sting of sin is death. Do you realize the debt you have incurred? That your sin has incurred? Would you think it's just a few thousand dollars, or do you recognize that it is an impossible, exaggerated amount? Impossible to pay. On your own, it's hopeless. Yet God looks down on us and something stirs in his gut. God looks down on us with mercy and pa- compassion. We just sing that song, great is thy faithfulness. Thy compassions fail not and seeing the terrible price that we must pay, the exorbitant, exaggerated, impossible debt of our sin, God sends his one and only son. What I would tell you is that our debt to sin and death wasn't just forgiven, it was paid in full. On the cross, Jesus Christ paid it all. And our unwillingness to give or show mercy, if we are somehow unmerciful, it shames the price Jesus paid for us. Because the action of receiving God's mercy is to create a new sense of identity for the servant. We just spent seven weeks, seven weeks talking about the mercies of God, seven weeks of absorbing and and drawing the mercies of God into attention. We explored and invited you to experience the full mercy of God. Now what? What? Do you have that cause and effect sense still? Jesus in Luke says, You must be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The mercies of God are to produce in us a new identity. Are you with me? Is that really happening? Through the mercy of God, are you receiving a new identity? I invite you to just consider again, like did all of this talk about mercies, what is it? What has the mercies of God that are new ever morning? What have they actually produced in you? What are they producing? And what are the mercies of God producing? in the world through you i think this whole like season comes up to one big final question and the question is are you merciful are you merciful Because here's what I know about what's what's coming. You're about to be tested. Black Fridays. Right? Holiday traffic! Busy schedules! All of these are going to test your mettle, right? They're going to reveal whether you're merciful or not. So I just want to invite you to, again, consider the mercies of God, but, but I also want you to become merciful. I encourage you just to start small to end big. It starts today after church with your, your waiter or waitress, Right? Let's be honest, most of us aren't ready for the giant, enormous acts of mercy that equal tons. But we can start small. Being merciful to your neighbor. You know, my, my mercifulness has been been tested by people who already have their houses decorated for Christmas. It's okay, go ahead. Play that Christmas music. No effect. Got lots of grace and mercy for you. Next week we're gonna. Uh, I, I know, man. And maybe it seems crazy, you, but uh, so next week is December first. Next week is the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, if you've never been a part of Advent, maybe it wasn't a part of your tradition growing up, man. We we love Advent here. It's a, it's a season of expectation. And I love talking about Advent when we've got pregnant people in the house because it's just really fun. That's like, that's the perfect picture of what Advent means. And Advent is all about this anticipating the return of Jesus. And I think maybe the perfect way to Advent Jesus is to be merciful as he was. as you enter into this this season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of this, I encourage you and invite you, remind you in light of the great mercy that you have received to be merciful. Just a moment, I'm gonna say a prayer and uh, dismiss you to a time of communion. We've got tables set up around the room with the elements of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We hope as you take these elements that it means something we hope as you take these elements you remember the price that was paid for you and the and the compassion that prompted it and we hope that as you walk from these tables you will be changed from the inside out let's pray together father god i thank you so much for your word i thank you for its power and its relevance and it, and i thank i'm so thankful that we have access to it father god help us to consider again to remember again that you're going you're gonna to bring all accounts to good. Like there won't be any unsettled debts. But Father God, like the overwhelming debt of our sin has been paid already. It's been paid in full through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. If we have opportunity to live, if we have opportunity to, to breathe, if we have opportunity to, to add to our world, it's only because we've received this incredible gift through the sacrifice of your son. And so, Father God, I just ask a simple prayer. Help us to be merciful. God, we know that your desire is, is to choose mercy over judgment God, I pray that that would be the identity of the church. That every neighbor in every neighborhood would know that that's who we are, that that we choose mercy. Father God, we know that comes with a price, but we willingly pay it. Father God, we advent you through our mercy. We love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen.